Ciao. Just a quick intro to our intro. After this fun and informative episode on the Dolomites, we will be back next week to pick up where we left off with our road trip from October. We have so many fabulous parts of the trip still to share with you. Assisi, Todi, Montefalco, Montepulciano, San Quirico d'Orcia, and Parma. And of course, we have one crazy little story that involves yet another accident with our friend Oleandra, she of the exploding jacuzzi fame. But this time, it involved a simple fall that resulted in a few broken bones. But she was on vacation, so it was nothing that a quick trip to the farmacia couldn't fix. Va bene, let's go trekking in the Dolomiti. Benvenuti amici, welcome to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. And I have failed to introduce myself for like the last five episodes, so... I know who you are. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I'm here with Il Favoloso e Famoso Tommaso. Buongiorno. Bravo. And today we have a friend with us who's going to share her recent trip through the Dolomiti. Presento Suma. Ciao, Suma. (laughs) Ciao, Kim. Okay, so let me just say, Suma is a friend from way back with Tommaso. I think they did a regatta a gazillion years ago and then have done like two gazillions since. Where did you guys meet, literally? Somewhere on a dock with a cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at one point doing somewhere in another country <laughs> in another yes <laughs> they literally have been around the globe meeting up at regattas and both have been in the sailing industry forever and i was living full-time in new york city would come home here on weekends and Tommaso would always talk about you really gotta meet suma now that we live here on this island because that's where she lives you really have to meet suma it didn't happen it didn't happen and Finally, it did. And do you remember where? I don't. Ferragamo opening in New York City, (laughs) right? Certo. Right. And I was shooting some things for Esquire magazine and I was there with the fashion editor and we got to the party and I instantly felt completely underdressed. And so I was with the fashion editor, Nick, and I said, he's, he's like, what are you doing? What are you looking for? I was like, oh, I'm supposed to meet this woman, Suma. She's a sailor, so just be on the lookout for someone that looks like a sailor. He's like, what does that mean? I go, anything other than these, like, fashionistas here. Fancy clothes. (laughs) But we were both dressed as well as we could be, and we met that night, and then you drove, no, I drove you back from New York to Jamestown, and again, we had only met the night before, spoke, you know, 20 minutes or so, because you went off to a bar to see your nephew play in his band. And so the next day we spent five hours in the car together and it was like, all about Italy. Because Suma, long time, uh, how long did you live in Luca? Oh, Luca, just six months. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I lived in Rome before that. Okay. So she speaks Italian. She has worked with so many different Italian yachting companies and brands and has been a prior resident of Bell Italia. Were you with Luna Rosa, the Italian syndicate? Not in the beginning. Uh, I worked with, a lot with Swan. Okay. Yeah, Ferragamo, Ferragamo bought it. Purchased it. So 
we and also with Rolex sponsored all the top regattas, so yes. we were in and out of Italy for some of those. It's it's a hard life. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Someone's, it always, you know, it sounds like you're never working. You're just drinking no. Aperol spritzes, and <laughs> traveling the world. No, I know, I know. It sounds like it's like if this, someone says you're sailing. Well, it's it's kind of hard at the end of the day, particularly when you're over a certain age and you're on a boat going through the Straits of Bonifacio. <laughs> it's kind of beat up. All right. Exactly. Regardless, Suma has a long love affair and relationship with Italy. So she just went in September, correct? Yes. To the Dolomites. So she went with some friends who, did you collectively all, I did not plan this trip for them. You collectively all organized it yourselves? We did. Uh, the friends, I have a friend from high school who lives in California and Carmel and her husband and another couple that they travel with. They had a, they were supposed to do a ski trip in the Dolomites pre just before COVID. So COVID derailed that. They got, they had a credit sitting there for years. And finally, last year, they were like, you know what? We need to undo this. Yeah. But it's not, let's do it in the summer and let's go hiking. And I just kind of glommed onto that trip. <laughs> Why <laughs> I was to, you? Yeah. I was talking to a friend on the phone. She was out west. And I'm like, what are you doing this winter? Oh, we're going on this trip in the fall to the Dolomites. And I said, oh, my God, I'd always wanted to go there. Oh, you had never been? I hadn't been. Okay. I'd been, sorry, I had been there in the winter to ski okay. with some Italian friends. But this was summer, so completely different situation. And she said, why don't you come? So that's about as much as I need. And then I was signed up yeah, you immediately. Said, you said, <laughs> What's your schedule look like? It's clear. It's clear. <laughs> the whole thing. When is the trip? Where are we going? Where do I need to be? <laughs> Done. All right. So Suma has described her trip to me, but it sounded so fantastic that we wanted to have her over and do this little recording. So not to sound annoying or kind of textbook, but I'm we're just going to ask you some questions because I think everyone would like to know how it works. Okay. So, all right. So I'm just going to ask you the type of questions that maybe our listeners would like to know. And the first one is that you came from the United States and you flew into Innsbruck, Austria, and then drove down. Was that drive da morire bellissimo? It was. It was. And I should just say we flew into Innsbruck. I flew in there because they were flying in. They were coming from California. There are other ways to get there, but right. I thought, let's just all stay on one page. And I was glad I did because I'd never been to Innsbruck, and it's mm -hmm. a fantastic gateway to the Dolomites. Right. And it, actually, to be honest, I think you either, most people either, let's say the Dolomites are their one destination for 10 days or something, they'll either fly into Milano or Venezia. And that is like, a hassle to get out of each airport and go through all the big autostradas and finally work work your way up. So I think Innsbruck going south is brilliant. Yeah, we flew in. We I flew from Boston to Munich and then an Air Dolomiti flight. Yeah, we just so did that, that too. <laughs> very exciting, very picturesque. <laughs> You're coming through the Alps and around mountain lakes, and it was fantastic. And then you land and you're in you know downtown in ten minutes. Right. My friends greeted me and said. We thought we'd wait for you. We've rented e-bikes to go on a tour of the city. That afternoon. Yeah. Fantastic. But I thought that's the old playthrough because, you know, there's a little bit of a time change, but just keep going. So right. if it was a regular bike, forget it. I would have pulled over <laughs> a mile, but <laughs> e-bike makes it work. And, oh, before that, my bag didn't make it, so I didn't have all my oh. clothes. But mm. Innsbruck is, like, all these towns are, every other store is a outfitter or, oh, you know, right. outdoor store. I mean. 
we're not talking athleisure. I mean, like real, like right. every hiking boot you could want, every pack, every, all I needed was shorts. But so if anybody's coming and they forget something or you, you know, oh, should I run hiking poles? You can just buy them there. It's, mm-hmm. it's all there. And then did we, you ever get your bag? My bag did come. Okay. So they were, you know, high marks And too. met you in the middle of the Dolomiti somewhere? It met, came to the uh, hotel that night. It came in on the next oh, okay. flight. So they okay. were, they were really on top of it. Okay. So you stayed there a day or two and yeah. then... And then we had arranged as part of our overall package, so to speak, which was just, we had a company arrange our hotel accommodations, the refugio accommodations, and the transfers. And that was it. So no guy, they gave us, they mapped a route. And so they had a guy in a nice Mercedes van pick us up. Mercedes. Mercedes. <laughs> and he drove us, and I think it was about maybe an hour and a half. And it was spectacular. I mean, the weather was spectacular. It was September. It was sunny, probably 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You do the math. Right. (laughs) And then we drove, yeah, we drove and got sort of a glimpse of what we were, would be climbing and it was great. And they dropped us to our hotel. And the first destination in the Dolomites was? San Cassiano. Oh, right. Okay. And so you stay there. They were smart. They had us booked for two nights. So the first night we met with a guide. And mm-hmm. that evening, and he pulled out the maps, which we had been asking about. We're all about maps. We see a map. Can we, <laughs> we see a real, a yeah. real map? Do you have anything electronic? No, they didn't have that arranged yet. I mean, you could find it on all the apps. You mm-hmm. could do your own, but they had it old school map with highlighting where you're going. So that was first evening. Then the next day, we we hiked right from the hotel right up to a trail that was maybe 200 yards up the road. Turned right at a church, and then you're on a oh. on a track. Awesome. And it was just so right from the start, you're like, oh, my God. I mean, the whole every turn or every crest of a hill, you were just like, whoa, is this Blown for away, real? Right? Just really, the scenery is spectacular. So let's step back one second. The the As the crow flies, Innsbruck to San Cassiano is about 50, 50 miles. miles. Yes. Is that a beautiful ride? Yeah, that I was saying that it was. That was in the Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, I know. But Yeah, what, no, it was just, it was incredible. I sat up front with the driver because I have some limited Italian. Most of them speak. Pretty good at English because there's so many English people coming over. Right. Though in our, well, I'll go on to it later, but that we ran into, we didn't run into that many Americans. It was mostly German and Italians at that time of year. That's nice to mix things up. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, so it was warm, sunny, beautiful, but let's say on your first full day in San Cassiano on that hike, did you run across a lot of other hikers? Um, That Because that one was sort of, I think they were warming us up, so it wasn't terribly it was probably seven miles but it wasn't the elevation game wasn't too much it was kind of up and down and then you get to your lunch destination which was a convent and santa croce and you're feeling really good and then you realize there's a lot of people here for lunch and you realize that there's oh. a lift that comes up from oh. the town. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone in the group was feeling a little sluggish oh no i they mean if someone go down. yeah if someone was in the group that wasn't hiking there oh, are places brilliant. where they could meet up with you so um no, well, I'm asking yeah. because September all over Italy is now the most crowded. It used to be, obviously, July or August, but now September is the most crowded month of the year. So then everyone started pushing October. I was pushing November, <laughs> and we were just in Italy in October. Firenze, wall-to-wall people, but we were there for a reason. But regardless, I just was curious as to how crowded it was with other tourists on the hikes in September. I was, we were all surprised. It was not, I mean, it was busy, but not hordes of people. Okay. I mean, the refugios 
where we stayed in the mountains were full, but you have to book those a year out. So that's there's limited capacity. But had your friends actually booked those refugios last September in order to get them? Yeah, the company <gasps> did. The yeah. company yeah. does. Oh, and then they just hold them for whomever yeah. then signs it's, up for this. Exactly. Okay, excellent. That's and, good yeah, to know. And it's worth doing these companies because we ran into, we did run into some Americans that were hiking. They were younger. They were doing a longer 10 or 14 day trek and they booked everything themselves. And he said it was quite a process. He started September the year before, but then when you're, you don't hear back because some of them only email. So if you don't hear back, you don't have it confirmed. You're trying to plan the next leg. Then you find out that, oh, it's not confirmed. It's not available. So you have to reroute. So he said it took him till January, took him all fall to get set reservations. And then for him to take the trip nine months later. Right. Wow. Okay. That's so he just assumed know. he was going to figure it out. But I think it's, I really think the companies are worth the price, the, the price, because it's not that expensive. And first of all, you don't have to hike with your backpack. Well, that's, that was our option. We got a little confused. They said, we can transfer your bag. They always will transfer from the first hotel to the last, in our case, San Cassiano to Cortina. But the date when you're into the mountains and the Fugios, you could be carrying all your gear for, it's only two or three days. So, oh, okay. But, but somebody checked the box that said, sure, we'll t- you can transfer our bags every night. Oh, doubles. so that's more yeah. expensive. <laughs> a little more expensive. And it's kind of, and so I like that box. Yeah. That box but is very good. If you're into carbon footprints, you would choose oh, right. not to because- when you see on the map where these you're hiking on a road, but the Jeep road or the car road is dee, 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 way yeah. around. And, and first we got to a refugio one day and our bags weren't there. They went to the wrong refugio. <gasps> but at that point you're like, who cares? I Give got, me a I've bed. i got my clothes. And a beer. <laughs> right. You're, you're washing things in the bathrooms. Would there be the option that the company could transport from San Cassiano to Cortina the main things that you would want later and you could just take a small day pack and just have a change of shirt or yes yep okay that was that's probably what i would do if i was doing it again because then you'd have everything you wouldn't have to rely on exactly just for those of us who are of a certain age in life um how would (laughs) as am i (laughs) yes how would you rate your level of fitness and did was it chat were there any parts that were challenging was it all easy um i was i've been working out so i'm in pretty good shape my fear was that my friends were in better shape because they live in California and they hike year round. They'd set the pace. Right. But they, we had a route. So two things. They said when I talked to them early on, look it, we have a route that they give us. We're going to walk however long it takes. It takes. We want to stop for a coffee, aperitivo, whatever. We're not rushing through this. We're not at that age where we're like, let's put on some miles. Right. I mean, we had a respectable pace and route and we just wanted to be fun for everybody. But so. will the do these companies offer you different levels? Like here's for the twenty year olds, and here's for people that want to hike from sunrise to sunset. Well, this is the mystery because they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> There's always never, a mystery in Italy. There was never like a checklist or a form like oh. how fit are you? Or really? so on day two or like or day one actually because it wasn't they they made it shorter. It was supposed to be twelve miles and it was seven. But it wasn't much of an altitude gain, so it was okay. And we said, we could have gone longer. What do you think they based this on? They probably looked at our age and just <laughs> went, I mean, my friend's husband's 80. He's in great shape, and he was always leading the pack. But if I was doing it again, I definitely would get on the phone and have a call and say, okay, this is where we all We're are. We're capable of this. Yeah, right. and this is what we'd like. We don't have to, you know, you don't have to make it grueling. But we could have probably added on a little bit here and there. But in the end, we felt like it was fine. You know, what's funny is... 12 miles in a day in Rome takes the whole day, but 
you're not tired, you're always taking things in. But when you say to the average person, oh, yeah, I, I walked 10, 12 miles in Rome yesterday, and they're like, what? what? But it happens, and when you're in the country, I feel from my very limited time of hiking in the mountains while I lived there when I was much younger, the same thing, you did 15, 18 miles a day, and you didn't really feel exhausted or think it was that long because you were just visually taking in so much beauty and it just kept you motivated and energized. Exactly. The whole time it was like gobsmacked, we're in right? A Heidi movie Heidi frame. <laughs> we just come over a rise and go, You're kidding me. There's right? cows over there with bells on that are tinkling. There's water <laughs> rushing through a river and you're like, tell me this is real. And it and was, the other thing I think is so amazing when you're in that environment is you look and you span like you do the whole 360 degrees and you see nothing man-made except the path you're on and the occasional refugio but to stand on a peak to come over a crest like that and see nothing man-made is so rewarding yeah that was fantastic um as far as fitness with a group i don't think i think there's something for everyone there Mm -hmm. so if you if you had a group that wanted a little less pace or you know, had an injury or something, There, there's some place you can walk where it's not as, there isn't as much altitude gain or the terrain changes. I mean, it's the Dolomite Rock is small and sharp and, you know, you have to, we had hiking sticks. We all used them because you just, your footing is a little, a little sketchy. sketchy. Yeah. So, but I would, you know, I told friends when I came back, we said, oh, I'm not in shape. I mean, you want to be in reasonable fitness, but you can, you'll enjoy you can it. do it. Yeah. All right, let's move on to like my favorite personal subject in the <laughs> montagne, rifugi. Tommaso has never been to a refugio, okay? I And I've spoken about them so much, so I know you'll get there soon. But they're, each and every one are different to me. The food is basically the same kind of mountain cuisine, a lot of polenta and beans and meat good beer, heavy red wine. But tell tell us about your favorite refugi. I'd have to say our favorite refugi was uh, Fugidio Ferrara Vedla, which was about day three, family owned as most of them are, but just remote enough. We were kind of in as far in as we were going to go. And Okay, so yeah. say the name again. I didn't get that. Uh, Refugio Ferrara Vedla. That's I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means, okay. but it was great family. It was all the mother, father, daughter, sort of, I was going to say our age, uh, probably a bit younger. Um, <laughs> and they, it just had a great vibe. It was in this valley and it was not too big because some of them, the day before we had stayed at one that was fairly large, it had like three floors, and really nice showers, which is great, but right. kind of wanted something a little more <laughs> rustic. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something to just for people to know that when you, even if they give you an itinerary, there are... There's many more refugios in between. Right. You're going to pass them. And, you know, we'd see one and go, next time we're going to stay at exactly. that one. Because they're just had a different, like the one that was the highest beer brewery in the Dolomiti. Oh, okay. Well, why wouldn't you stay there? That right. just sounds great. <laughs> but this other one, just the food was good. The people were nice. The rooms. We, one thing, our reservations came in a little late. So we, both nights in the mountains, we stayed in one five-room bunk, or not bunk room. They were single bed but we all stayed together like a little slumber party right right <laughs> well in the old days they were only that yeah. just bunk beds a few bathrooms but they were communal and then a big sloppy 
Woodworn restaurant that yep. just slopped the polenta down. They were great, but that okay, was fine in your yeah. 20s. I think it's a little nicer to have your own room, yeah, this, own bathroom. But this was fun. We were all in our uh, in one room with a private bath um, oh, good. with our laundry hanging all over because every night you seem to be doing some laundry mm-hmm. and a nice dining room. But when we first got there and we arrived, we sat outside to have a cerveza and a little bit of food. Vieira. Cerveza Spanish. Just very very international here in Jamestown. Very international. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we sat outside and we were at an adjoining table to a group of Italian mountain bikers. And there's quite a few Mm -hmm. e-bikes now on these trails, but they mostly have their own trail, which would be like the Jeep road would be the e-bike. But sometimes the hiking ones you share for a while. So you have to just be aware of that. And these guys, it turned out, one of them was like the national champion of Italy. Well, another one owned a vineyard. I mean, in 10 minutes, we were like fast friends and they're inviting us to come to Sardinia and visit them there. I mean, people are just super friendly because right. you're all You have something in or common. Some sport. Exactly. Right. right. You're all hanging out and comparing notes. And, and the other thing is you're in these refugee that is not a four or five star hotel and everyone's dressed up. You yeah. either walked, hiked or rode a bike to get there. So right. right there, that's a common denominator. Some version of sweat. You're all looking kind of shabby. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then the larger refugio that you mentioned, would that have like 20 rooms? I mean, what's your idea of large? I, I think it probably had like 30 rooms. Yikes, that's yeah. too big, and, from, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, just didn't have, it was a little Charm. more, yeah, more industrial. They're kind of, a lot of people pass through there. Mm-hmm. But the one with the brewery was like, you could see it, it was 200 yards away. So there, there are options. Mm-hmm. But again, it comes down to what you can book and book ahead of time. Right. right. As long as you find the right company that has as, the yeah. experience and the, the knowledge to book these places years in advance, and then you're all set. Well, I think this, this, this goes to the thread that we try and bring to the podcast all the time, that the best accommodations, no matter if it's in the Dolomites or in Tuscany or in Sardinia, they're always going, they're always booked. A long time in advance. A year in advance, at so, least. you know, you can't, you can never start early enough. Definitely. All right. Tommaso had another question, and he even wrote it. How c- 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 cold was Lago di Fanes? Is <laughs> yeah, that how yes, you pronounce you, it? Yes, you went for a swim. Oh, yes. We went, did go for a swim. It, well, the weather was surprisingly warm. It was... That's the week be- change. Yeah. The week before, it looked like rain, and but that, I guess, passed through. So we had, I mean, just blue sky, big puffy clouds. No wind to speak of, and maybe 70 degrees Fahrenheit. In the morning, it would be 65, and you'd have a layer, and then in a mile, you'd be stripping down to your T-shirts. And then by the time we got to that lake, it was, we had gotten pretty warm, and so all my girlfriends, the guys, eh, they were like, <laughs> guys, I'll have a we'll, beer. We'll see you at the next refugio. And uh, yeah, we just stripped down to our underwear and jumped in, and it was refreshing. Oh. It wasn't as cold as you would oh, think. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty okay. nice. And then you dried so quickly, because... It's so dry there. Right. Quite nice. I thought a mountain lake, it'd be like, no, it wasn't too bad. There were quite a few Germans in, so that's worrying because you figure (laughs) (laughs) they, nothing stops them. (laughs) (laughs) Not to generalize, but. Well, I had a client, two different clients this summer who hiked through the Dolomites. One couple hiked for over a month. They hiked all over Italy, to be honest. They started in Sardinia. Then they flew over to Puglia, worked their way up via car, 
Lago di Como area, then finally into the Dolomiti. It was a three-month trip. And this is a side story, but the second to last day of their three-month trip, she just was on a small path to get to the new hike of the day. She just happened to look to the side, didn't pay attention, boom, broke her ankle in so many places. So they had to, whatever, she ended up in a cast and then they had to go back to Venezia to fly home. And she's like, smiling taking selfies with the doctor because at least it was the, the end, end of the trip, of the trip. <laughs> yeah but they loved 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 the dolomiti and i had this other man who hiked by himself for about 10 days all through val gardena um everywhere the pictures are amazing with no one in them and all we had read about prior to going was how crowded it is for example at that famous lago di Brais. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that. It's so picturesque that everyone goes there, just like all over Italy with these Instagram influencers that literally wait in line to take a picture of, we were at in Pisa recently, literally people waiting in line, all dressed up, false eyelashes on and everything to take a picture of them, like kissing the Leaning Tower of Pisa at the right angle. angle. So this Lago di Brais, this client Keith was so, he wanted so much to go see it but we had read you have to park by 6 a.m. or you'll never get there. He did it. He took a picture. No one there. And all of his hikes, he started really early. He's one of those kind of guys. And he just had the most amazing time. And if you know where to go, just stay off, as tacky as it sounds yeah. right now, stay off the beaten path. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it worked perfectly for both these clients. And yours sounds like you weren't, waiting in line to get over a difficult part not that many people yeah no it was i think that was one of the most surprising things is that pretty much everywhere we went if you just sort of plan i mean in the mountains we just were on trails that weren't as crowded right we saw one back roads group with about i don't know a dozen people and a couple of guides one on each end but usually it was groups of two to okay four, i was six, going to yeah, ask smaller that. groups okay how um, did those people in the group of 12 look but, happy? The, yeah, the, I mean, because you couldn't not be happy there. But right. I mean, it just reinforced to us. We're like, you know, we've got a map. It's so well marked. You think when you first see your itinerary, you say, oh, we're starting here. And then the, we've got to go four miles to the refugio. Well, there's two others in between. And of course, we took full advantage. We're like, <laughs> who needs a coffee? Okay, let's stop. And then it was like, oh, afternoon. Must Beer. be time for aperitivo. <laughs> and carry but, on hiking. Yeah. And you're just burning calories. So, so right. you know, it's a win-win situation. Exactly. All right. Let me ask you this. Did you have cellular coverage all over? Like if you didn't have a paper map, could you rely on Google Maps? Or did uh, you not even try? No. We. I mean, some of us had, we were trying two different uh, hiking apps. Gaia's one and All Trails someone had. Right. But they were in and out and... None of us were really versed on them, so we got a couple of legs that we were able to map. We were curious because the itinerary we got weren't sure. The way it was written out, they would write, here's your mileage, and this is how long it should take. And then they'd say, oh, and there's an add-on. There's a section here if you want to do a little more. We weren't sure if the time was cumulative or extra, so it was a work in progress through the whole thing. Not that it mattered. But from all trails, you can download your map. Right. Yeah. So that and then you it'll don't track need the you. coverage. Oh, yes. Okay. You can download it and then it just tracks you. Okay. But how but freeing it is to not be oh looking at your phone, especially when you're in a place so stunning. And that was the whole point of wanting the paper maps because right. all you had your phone for was photos. 
right. That, right. It was nice. Yeah, the whole idea of looking at your phone to follow a map. Right. We, there's signposts all over, so you you really, oh there are yeah, and the, there's rocks that are painted with the color of your trail, and it's very well marked. Wow. It would. I was going to say it would be hard to get lost, but I don't want to say that. <laughs> no, someone, no, someone, <laughs> someone will, will find a way. All right. Okay. So what Tom has written down here, because he's very interested in this entire concept, and we're going to maybe do it sooner than we were otherwise planning. He asked, what did you learn about Italy that you didn't already know from being up in the Dolomiti? Because you've been there so many times. To Italy, yeah. but yeah, not the that, Dolomiti. And that part, well, there, I should have mentioned earlier that the... um. You know, it's the Ladine culture mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. So the northern, I guess it's a South Tyrol, but it's that part of the Dolomites. It's a different culture. It's a mixture of a little bit of Austrian, German mm-hmm. in the culture and the food and the people. And the dialect. Yeah, the dialect, completely different. Right. The Very first Germanic night at, sounding. Yeah. First night at our hotel, the couple that ran out were Ladine. They're from, and one of our drivers was Ladine. So we got a little bit of download on that. But they were great because the second night, when everybody who was there, staying there, seemed to be hikers, they did like a aperitivo, and they had some food, typical food, and they made spritzes, fine. And then they had these two guys that they brought in who played music, and it was kind of supposed to join in, like they go, here you go, here's some spoons, start playing. Oh, jeez. And it was great because, you know, those are in the sailing world. The Americans are the worst at that. Impromptu. Oh, horrible. <laughs> you know, you know, if, French, anyone, yeah. if anyone asks us to sing a song, yeah. like in an Irish pub, we're like, yeah. <gasps> just like impromptu, you're like, right. oh, I couldn't do that. So right. the Germans jumped in and oh, fun. some girl was stomping something with cymbals and, you know, really into it. And he gave me the spoons. I'm like, I'm going for it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I got to hold up my country. So it was, and it was just, re- it was a real icebreaker. And then they came around and they were in typical lady in costume. Mm-hmm. And they just went over and greeted each guest. And there's probably awesome. 40 people there. And it was just a really nice kind of intro into that culture, and which is very welcoming and very friendly. I, I don't think people realize, you know, the differences in cultures in Italy. It's one country, but the, <clears throat> the dialects in America, we have different areas, accents. different accents, accents, but we don't have different languages. No. I was reading about Trieste the other day. And there is a completely different culture there, a completely different dialect. It's part Venetian, part Slovenian, part something else. It's all a mixture right in there. Probably the same where you were. Yep. That part was fascinating to us. Clearly, it's much different than, yeah, certainly being in Florence or further south. All right. Tell us about the cuisine. Yeah. Let's get back to the food. Which because was, again, you better, you wanted like heavy yeah, uh, Germanic, right. Austrian, you know, a lot of chingale, yeah. boar. Ugh. With polenta, he a lot ate of so much of that I, last I, month. I, it was I, I didn't, fusky. For I don't think there are any boar left after I got out of the <laughs> I t- That was only the second time I've had it because it's pretty strong. It's pretty intense, but it was good. And then sour broughton and sausages and I don't know. Trying to think of some light things that we ate. Nothing, nothing. polenta. <laughs> be really happy. Yeah. I'd be really happy to be in the open air the next day. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Some root ve- vegetables, you know, not no salads. That was no, you know, no. You know, someone in our group would say, lettuce. "Do you have a ensalada?" And they're like, <laughs> "Really, Kim? What are you going to do there?" I know. <laughs> I had a hard time just in Florence and Tuscany for ten days that we were there. Even what am I saying? Our last few trips have just been meat, 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 and I just like. I, I'm happy with a pasta every meal of my life, but my body's not happy with that, you know? Yeah, there was some risotto and dolky and things like that, but still on the I, heavier side. On but the heavier I, side. Even but polenta, which I love, but they add mushroom. cream. 
to it in the mountains. It's very heavy. It's very rich. Yeah. But it's it's like being on a boat. Everything tastes great because right. you've just been out hiking and right. and then you're you're burning through those calories. I think, you know, we came after the trip, I think I lost oh, between five and ten pounds. Right, we we'll, were. we'll go for two months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't prorate the weight. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So finally, you I know that you were just there in September, but from what you heard from anyone else, do you think that is the best time to go or did you hear otherwise? No, I think it is. I'm trying to remember now because you can't, I was just looking at the weather now. I mean, you can't go much later because then you get snow up in the it's mountains. It's already snowing. Yep. And the same, sometimes there isn't a melt until well into June. So July and August, I'm assuming there's a lot of Italian local. That's when people are on holidays. So they're up there. So I think between the weather and just fewer people there. Right. That's September's. But now after we tell everybody. <laughs> I, know. I do that all the time. I'm like, November's the time to go. And then I get to Rome. I'm like, why are all these people in here in Rome? All right. So any. So before we finish, something I forgot to ask. Um, because I looked at my list that I tried to prepare, but as a good producer, I forgot it also. So tell me about the gear and, you know, do you need anything, do you need anything special or just a good pair of solid walking hiking shoes i mean do you need real hiking boots probably not a bad thing um we had most of us i think had low hikers hiking shoes you know pretty robust hiking shoes but we saw everything on the trail i mean there were people you know with flip-flops well like running type i mean we saw people there is there was one refugio where there was a bus that came up there was a not a paved road but a pretty decent road because all of a sudden we were seeing people pushing kids in strollers and like wait wow where'd they come from (laughs) right And then we saw the bus stop. So that was kind of a downer, but it was, it's great because it gives people access and they don't get very far. So we had good shoes. And as I said, hiking poles, that was a big debate, but we were glad we had them. Right. Um, and then just a pair of hiking pants, but we were in shorts or uh, skorts yeah. all the time. Did you see anyone in their teens or 20s with those hiking poles? Uh, yeah, I think most people had them. Okay. I mean, like, not that, you know, on the flat parts, you're just kind of holding them. You're not right. using them. But, they collapse, yeah. right? But there, I mean, the terrain just keeps changing. There'll be parts where it's kind of more dirt and it's mm-hmm. a narrow trail. And then there's a lot of parts where this dolomite rock just kind of collects and it's kind of scrabbly and, mm-hmm. and like shaly. And so you could, yeah, you just, it's just, right. you know, you're unsteady. I mean, I, I took a fall the last day, which like your friend, oh, it right. always I happens. Saw, I saw the aftermath. Yeah. That's a, that was just an <laughs> that <idiotic>. was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> a typical American. Let me take a picture, but I'll just oh, run. Really? I'll just run up a little bit further to take it. You don't run there. <laughs> so I kind of tripped or something and went down. And those rocks are sharp, nice. and they um. You just want to watch yourself, watch your footing, and the poles definitely help that. Well, then we'll be prepared. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't totally on board with the collapsible hiking poles. I thought it was a. Old person? Yeah, kind of like a, a red flag that, oh, what I meant to say about those hiking poles, it's like, what if you were behind a big group as you came up behind and you saw all these people with hiking poles and you thought, oh, is this going to be a bunch of old people and we have to go around? So that's why I wondered if literally people in their teens and 20s use them also. We didn't see probably because it was September and they, a lot of them were back in school, oh. right? That was the, yeah. <laughs> That was the school start of the day we got That's there. That's another which was good perfect. idea. Exactly. Okay. I what know. was that date? September? Somewhere in like the 10th or something. So early to mid. Excellent. Yeah. All right. 
any last thoughts or any wonderful things you can sort of end up with here? Well, just when we were hiking, we ran into some Americans at a crossroads and we were comparing notes, which way are you going? And they said, oh, we're going up, up there. And we're like, whoa, they were going up over a pass. And, and then we're going around the corner and we're stopping at Refugio. Can't remember. I have it written down somewhere. But they said, it's the most amazing place. You smell it before you get there because they grill the most amazing steaks and meat there. So I was thought, oh, I love it that they're like specialized. I mean, they all have their favorite foods that they make. And that one just sounded Go across the top of the pass and, and you just smell, smell it. <laughs> Did you go? It was the wrong way. Next time, <laughs> we're going. We I'm should convert you. You and Tommaso can go. We'll go and have meat. Exactly. Kimberly can stay and stay somewhere else and eat and eat and be, and be a rabbit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> All right. This was fantastic because I have a lot of clients that have asked about the Dolomites, just like these two groups I had this summer. And I think it's becoming more and more popular, but at the same time, the Dolomites all of a sudden has this massive influx of super contemporary, super hipster, really cool chalets, hotels. And they have like the cantilevered glass pool and, you know, it's eight, nine hundred euro a night. They're just over the top groovy. And yet I have clients that don't want that, but they want to see the same view and the same experience, the same thing you did. So the two clients that I had this summer did it all on their own in terms of planning their hikes. They are seasoned hikers, so they knew where they wanted to go. They had done their own research. I just helped them find really fantastic places to stay. Mid-range, you know, expensive, but just had anything and everything you wanted, including the best food that wasn't just totally, it was not refugio food. So, I'm happy to hear your side, your story, because I, I think it sounds fantastic. Yeah, and I think... On Do you feel like no- going back? Because we yeah. would go next some, September. <laughs> I'll we go. Better start booking just, now. Just no, we just use that same Slightly company. different route, but yeah, that company was... They have the refugios booked already. Right. But they were, they were good. Communication was a little spotty at times, but then it's you Italy. just pick up the phone and say, hey, what's going on? Doviciamo. <laughs> I'm an American. I need some information. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Suma. Grazie mille. This was fantastic. And actually, whenever we do um, put this episode up, would you give us a few photos we can put on Instagram? Oh, yeah. Perfect. Got lots. Okay. Grazie mille. Ciao, ciao. We all say that at Uh, the end. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, tutti. Ciao, tutti. (laughs) Ciao, amici. Okay. Drink your... Ci vediamo presto. Sì. <laughs>